Straight Welcome everybody to another Street Sound Hash podcast. Although Fiat Jeff muted his mic already. Um, last week we started the show talking about um, Jeremy Rubin and the fact that he's no longer working for Bitcoin. And in 2014, that same Jeremy Rubin published a uh, paper called Merkleized Abstract, Abstract Syntax Trees. And today we have a guest that single-handedly found a way to use those Merkleized abstract, abstract Syntax Trees, Jesus Christ, um, in order to uh, destroy Bitcoin. So I'd like to introduce you to the spammer of chains, Casey, <laughs> Casey Ronamore. Yo, what's up, boys? Uh, yeah, very, very happy to join you guys. Very happy to watch in StarCraft, you know? Let's go. Where's yeah, I game? agree. So let's let's the game on? start the game. <laughs> Listen, that's okay, what let's... everybody is here for. They're here for Correct. StarCraft. What race do you play, uh, Casey? I haven't played StarCraft, I think, maybe since, like, StarCraft two years and years and years ago. And I suck at video games, so I, like, quickly lose interest in strategy games when I just fucking <laughs> like, lose yeah. and can't win. Yeah, especially StarCraft is brutal. If yeah, you, yeah, uh... yeah. So everybody, uh, all our non-listeners, non-existing listeners are uh, dying to know what your opinion is on the aesthetic uh, direction Blizzard went into. Uh, oh, shit. At uh -huh. Warcraft three, <laughs> oh Warcraft, the, the aesthetic direction of Warcraft three, like yeah. as opposed to like Warcraft two, like how they yes. how they make, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I feel like early three D games were in some ways as an aesthetic step backwards from late two D games. Um, so, for example, like I think that um, SNES games often look a lot better than PS one games, even though technically PS one is is um, like a more powerful console and a, and a more developed technology. So I would say actually Warcraft 2 versus Warcraft 3 was an aesthetic step backwards. Uh, I played the shit out of Warcraft 2 and like that pixel art still looks good to me and the whole game still has this very cozy vibe where I think Warcraft 3 mm, looks a little ass these days. It's, it, it, I think it's too cartoony for my yeah. taste. Mm, 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 they tried mm. to do that with StarCraft 2, but then they got too much push, pushback. Mm. Uh, was that so like they, they undid it or was it like a pre-release comment uh, no it was yeah it was in the the pre pre-release so the screenshots and stuff that they had mm. and it, mm. it just looked like to toy soldiers right plastic yeah, yeah, toy yeah. soldiers so they made it a bit more grim but yeah like in in uh, brute war here the um, the have you uh, seen the brute war cartoon version mm -mm. i i tried to look for one but that was good to, I, sent uh, you a, maybe, I sent you a link. Yes, but it wasn't good. <laughs> so maybe next week we'll get the we'll get the cartoon version. Okay. But Yo, the, yeah, yeah, Jeff, I'm told that you're Portuguese or uh, Brazilian. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Me falta português muito bom. See, muito bom, muito bom. Sorry, I just interrupted the important StarCraft-related content. Please yeah, because you, you must interrupt constant. <laughs> otherwise, you just speak forever. Uh, please, thank you for, for doing that. <laughs> so uh, if, if, if not using uh, um, uh, all the witness space for uh, like Doom clones and, and stuff, um, what would you use it for? Bro, I don't, know. I don't know what normally goes in there. Or I, I don't know if that's a serious question I can definitely answer. But like, yeah, it's normally it's uh, 
scripts and signature data go in the window. Yeah, yeah, that was what I was trying to say in the previous previous week to Constant that whatever people are putting there, I don't care. Like it's it's, it's a pain to me if these random people that I don't know their transaction, whatever. I don't care about that. So right, it, it wasn't a school question. Thing. I was like, what would you do with the witness data? Oh, I mean, so when you have a taproot or a SegWit transaction, and that has a pub key, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's sort of secured with a pub key. The signature that authorizes the spend when it's spent is contained in the witness. Yes, I'm not asking a school question. What would you do? <laughs> currently, currently we're not using we're not utilizing well. Stuff there's barely any taproot implementation for any scripting stuff yet there I think, mm. uh, but in in hypothetically what in an ideal world what would you do with this with all this space? This question is truly complicated. Space? Is I mean, it, I open and close lightning channels maybe or uh, send Bitcoin be around. Yeah. I'll give I'll give a little background to my question. So what what MAST allows us to do is horizontally scale the complexity of a contract, right? Because we're oh, allowed, sure. to, we're, okay. we're able to, we put all these policies or clauses of the contract next to each other. So we're able to do all these bigger, more complex things, not vertically because we're still then we're still limited to the to to the original transaction size, but at least horizontally and putting them next to each other. Mm -hmm. So. Given that we're able to do that, you can spam the chain with bullshit, or you can do useful stuff. So, what kind of useful stuff would you would you do? Okay, so yeah, so you could have. So we don't quite have mast, which was the name for I think a specific earlier proposal, but we have what was eventually implemented in Taproot. And the way that that works is that a Taproot output commits to a um, sort of root pub key. And that pub key can be tweaked with the root hash of a Merkle tree. And there are two ways to then spend that output. One way is just to uh, produce a signature for that public key. Um, that's called the key path spend. The other way is the script path spend, where you reveal a path down this Merkle tree to some leaf node, which is, which is a hash. And then you reveal the script that hashes that has that hash, and then you satisfy that script. And so essentially what you get is you get the ability to construct policies where any there are many different possible spending conditions. These are sort of A or B or C or D type, um, a type combination. And so, yeah, like very, very large multi-sigs, for example, with many, many different, very specific combinations of keys each one of those could get a different um, leaf. Um, time locks where you, you know, after, you know, before some period of time, some keys can spend it. After a period of time, other keys can spend it. Um, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do what? I want to do? Yeah. No, what, I want to spend the chain with JPEGs. What are you talking okay. about? <laughs> okay, this question is not going, not going very well. You keep getting school answers. But, but, I'm yeah, not asking a school question. Short bus school <laughs> answers. <laughs> I give you. I give, I'll, 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 I'll uh, give you a, what? What? It's in letters, right? In in America, so I'll, I'll give you a B. I'll give you a B for the answer. <laughs> I think that's generous, bro. <laughs> I think it was a good explanation.
Yeah, it was, as an explanation, like it was boring as fuck. I mean, Taron got his ass kicked in his push. <laughs> did Taron did, did like did Taron go went bad on that? Because I saw a bunch of probes fighting Marines that shouldn't have gone well, right? Yeah, but I was trying to understand the key path. Whatever. We can we can we can just go back. Let's go back to the push. Okay. <laughs> so what is going wrong here? What's going wrong? This, this looks fine. He has a whole bunch of Marines, though. That so this should work. So why doesn't it work? Is this this is this, this is a school question. Like why why is he going to lose? <laughs> now because it's the zealots. The zealots. The body block worked. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just just the fact that this is simply just too much with the probes coming in. Yeah. The the zealots killing the tanks. The, the fact that the zealots came from behind. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he had a short body block, but I think just just with the probes because before the uh, the four dragoons got back, uh, there were just only probes there eventually. So I want to ask a question uh, to our guest that is not interested in this, in this game. Uh, what about Agra? What happened? Oh, there? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Agora was a project that I worked on with my friend uh, Zunkeon, and uh, that is a web server uh, that you can stand up on, on any computer that also has a lightning node and put files on it. And you can uh, say in the config file how much you want each file to cost. And when users try to access that file, they get a lightning invoice that they can pay and then they can download that file. Um, and yeah, I worked on that, I think starting like a couple years ago with uh, my friend Zunke. Uh, it's all open source. Uh, all the code is available on github.com slash agora-org. I saw, I saw you talking Agora. on another podcast that no one used it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted, honestly, don't tell anybody. I wanted people to make pirate Netflix with it. I was like, listen, we can blow this thing wide open. Just make pirate <laughs> Netflix, like charge everybody like five cents a download. Like, let's go crazy. But nobody really did it. Um, I, yeah, like, yeah, so it, it was, it was kind of hard to use. It was hard to set up. You had to have a lightning just node. For nerds. Just for nerds, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And also, yeah. like, so my, my eventual regret was that um, I think it's good when you make something that you kind of copy something else that, that you know works. Um, and if you're going to, like, innovate, like, don't go too crazy. I mean, obviously, <laughs> like, if you have a really amazing idea, like, do that. But if you can just copy something that works and make it better, that's awesome. And... A model that kind of seems to work is a private BitTorrent tracker, right? Like BitTorrent is not super popular, but yeah. there are these private BitTorrent trackers that are incredibly widely used. And one important thing about a BitTorrent tracker is that the, the owners and the users of the tracker have sort of these like specialized abilities. The owner or the administrators keep it running and don't really have to upload content and the users just upload content. Um, and this has this like nice specialization and whatever. For Agora, those two roles were like merged. The administrator would have to upload and select content as well as deploy the site. And mm -hmm. so I think we were not copying something that was actually like a model that worked. And that's why it was, it was, it was ultimately not very popular. Do you think it would work to have paid seeding of torrents? torrents? Um, yeah, that's a really complicated question. I've thought a lot about like, yeah, like, so I think you could have a version of the BitTorrent protocol 
like the BitTorrent uh, protocol has um, a, a room for extensions. And I started yeah. working on that. Like you could send invoices through these extension messages. And right. then if you have, and like you could use any BitTorrent library to make these custom clients that would be able to understand these invoices. Yeah. But uh, I, I couldn't I, finish I, it. <laughs> I think a potential issue with that is that I don't know if it's actually solving a real problem that is preventing BitTorrent from being used. So just the just the trading content, like whenever whenever anybody actually gets on BitTorrent and they're able to like find the content that they want and connect to the swarm, BitTorrent works super, super well, right? Like it like every connection, internet connection I've ever been on, you know, the first thing I go do is I download a Linux ISO with a BitTorrent client and it just absolutely like blasts that like connection, right? So like the problem I feel like with getting more people to use BitTorrent isn't exactly paying seeders because there are a lot of seeders. It's more like paying paying site admins to mm -hmm. actually be able to turn BitTorrent trackers into like a sustainable um, like business or project. Like the, the there are these amazing private BitTorrent trackers that have amazing amounts of content. And it's actually just like two guys and the, and the back end is an Excel spreadsheet. And it's like basically but like no falling one, over. No one enters these things because they are they're private, right? And they are private because their administrators don't want them to be spammed or I don't know. That's, I, I'd like say that's partially with, with leechers. I don't think I don't think it's spammed with leechers. So the thing that they usually have is they usually have a um, some sort of um, ratio system where you're required to maintain a ratio of upload to download, otherwise you get booted. And uh, I think really they're worried about like legal trouble. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't say nobody uses them. I mean, relatively speaking, nobody uses them, but they're very popular. Um, yeah. There are a few that are just like very popular, thriving communities, tons and tons of content. What, what client do you guys use? I use, um, uh, on my seed box, I use RUTorrent, which uses RTorrent under the hood. And on my Mac laptop, I use Transmission. Do I you use know? K, yeah. K something, K, K bits or something like that. I use uh, I use Tribler. Do you know it or Tribler, whatever it is? T yeah, that is I B L E R. Is that the old one that's descended from Azurius? I don't think so. Hmm. It's um, it's it's basically a university project. So it's from the uh, Technical University of Delft, hmm. uh, and uh, I like master students and PhD students to do their work on the on on the uh, on it, for example. But it, it uses um uh i've heard that name yeah it, it yeah it uses tor routing so you're basically using uh uh or onion routed uh yeah you're basically using onion routing so you're downloading through hops mm -hmm. and it immediately bypasses uh, uh your isp knowing uh knowing what you're doing mm -hmm. and that that because technically it's illegal <laughs> so technically, <laughs> technically, um, the our ISPs are are, are really good guys in uh, in this regard because there is some uh, uh, some organization that tried to do some claims and they asked the ISP if they could give the data and the ISPs were just like, nope, we're yeah. not going <laughs> to give the data. And then yeah, the judge my... was like, yeah, you don't actually have to give the data, something like that. Yeah, my seed box is in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> Yo ho, fucking ho, let's go. <laughs> also in Spain. Uh, non-commercial file sharing is just straight legal. 
like the the chief of police of like uh, Madrid or something was like, if nobody's paying, uh, it's no problem. Yeah, yeah, we had something very similar here. It's just that the I don't know what it currently is, but it used to be that technically download the downloading itself was not illegal. It would be illegal if you were uploading so, something like that. Uh, but in any event, it 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 works it works rather well. I think you get like at one hop you get about eighty percent of your. Uh, uh, data rate and then it goes up to three i think with three you're you're down to 30 or 40 percent or something but with today's speeds it's it's still fine you'll, you you'll have your movie in no time what do you mean hops like what the, the, hops so be, so the because of the onion routing so it's uh, uh, uh so the amount of uh in between uh peers or hops the uh actual data is going through that's that's another thing that monetization could potentially help with is onion routing. Um, if you could make a private BitTorrent client that was very fast, um, that used onion routing, that'd be like awesome. And you might need to incentivize those intermediate nodes with lightning in order to make it very, very fast. I think the paradigm of paying, basically paying for some it, it would be technically difficult as like how you're going to price the, the, the ratio between bandwidth and latency and that kind of stuff. Mm. But, um, basically paying for that would solve a lot of issues with the internet. It's just the getting there is an entire paradigm shift that I think is yeah. going to be hard. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think that, yeah, a lot of ideas that people have about how to use lightning are like. They don't quite think through the UX, you know, and a lot of the time uh, UX is what kills you, right? If, if users have to do like weird things or have weird requirements for being online, then things just like don't work. Um, I, I think Nostra is like a good example of this and also a good example of something that is like kind of like close to an existing something that works with like slight modifications, you know, like users don't really need to be online and like that's sort of like pushed to the, um, the relays, whereas in pure P2P networks, right? Like nobody can run pure P2P services like effectively because they have like online requirements for being online and availability and reachability and all that. But I think, uh, I think for the most part, that's a development thing. Mm. If, you, if you just take email, right? If running your own email server was the norm, then creating protocols of um splitting off the email forwarding it to uh yes splitting off the destination or using proxies uh such that my my neighbor also gets my email but it's encrypted right so he can't read it but if my server for some reason uh or another um was offline i can still get my week's worth of uh of emails from my neighbor the moment mm -hmm. i get online right i think the moment if you if you run under the assumption that it's the norm, then you can start doing a lot of things. It's just getting to that, getting to that position. It's the why same thing. He, why was he clicking between those two buildings? He was just like clicking back and forth between. Oh, two because buildings. we're, we're, we're ripping. I got, I got that question earlier today. So, uh, <laughs> we, we just ripped this from, uh, Artosis hmm. and Who's I, Artosis? I, uh, he's a, um, he's an American that, uh, I think he's American or he's a guy that plays and comments. Yeah. Hmm. He, um, uh, he went to South Korea. At the start of the the the, the StarCraft hype, 
uh, you don't have to, to do the to entire do casting. history of his I, life. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> all the way, all, or or whatever, fourteen years or whatever it is, uh, we're going through his entire life. It's because he's talking while, while like he's talking to the public and showing, oh, this business, this this building has whatever, and so. Okay, got so that's it. Why got he's, it. Oh, so that's the caster clicking around. Yes. So got it's it. a okay, got it. Yeah, listen, guys, I'm a nub. Okay, you got to slow down for me. I have another question. Uh, oh, I forgot the, what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our high quality podcast. <laughs> we we do have questions. We promise. We just we just can't remember them at the time we actually want to ask them. So. Oh yeah, the question is: Do you think there are two kinds of digital assets? Assets. One is people just want to spend the Bitcoin chain and they feel good about it. And the other is, oh, I want this, specifically this JPEG that was made by someone. And it doesn't matter if in what chain it is or whatever it is. I'm not sure I understand the distinction. What, what's the difference? Well, one is some random guy makes a cool thing on the Bitcoin chain that has value because it's on the Bitcoin chain and it's a, it's a meme or something like that. And the other is... You're a fan of Marlon Brando, and Marlon Brando makes an NFT of his shoe and sells it to you, and you you buy that that thing that represents Marlon Brando's shoe. So, so is it about the chain or is it about the content? Yeah. Oh, is it about um, the medium or is it that, about that, the message? There are two different classes of NFTs that. that I don't know if I'd confused. say that they're. They're two different classes because because things kind of overlap, you know. Like there's there's various things that collectors like, like which chain, if it's on chain or off chain, the provenance, you know, who made it, and then what the actual content is. Um, and so those are all together. I don't know if I would neatly divide things into two. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I see that that you can't really divide, but I, I was thinking that there's these two properties and some have more of one and some have more of the other. Right? Yeah. I, so one thing is that because NFTs are very, very popular, essentially every, um, every like shitcoin just kind of has an NFT marketing team now that's trying to blow up NFTs on their chain. Um, and so I think in those cases, a lot of those are really purely about um, having it as a marketing bulletin point to the chain and then selling to people who are interested um, in that chain. Um, and then also, like, for example, there are um, there have been NF NFTs on Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, there's some very early one-off experiments, one of them by Stefan Vogler, which is really interesting because it, it's very similar to how ordinals work, um, where he just kind of declared that it would follow like transaction UTX outputs in a certain pattern. But then there's also Counterparty, um, which kind of has its own token, but the, the data is on Bitcoin. So it's kind of complicated it's how to classify coin, it. Right? It's hard to, well, I mean, depends on your definition. Like it was created by burning Bitcoin, which is perhaps the least shitcoiny way to raise money. But yeah, it's an alt, right? Yeah, it's a shitcoin. Um, but there are people who really, really, really like to be on Bitcoin. And because Counterparty is on Bitcoin, and for a lot of things, you don't need the token, um, there are people and who are really into into counterparty and being on Bitcoin, and then also um, 
like a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily want to get on other chains that are like comfortable trading assets on counterparty. But the if you, if you were honest, not necessarily you, but like the general you mm. would be be honest. Then there's no point of doing anything other than on uh, the chain that ultimately wins, right? Because the the only the, the added value of doing it on chain, let's say, is for prosperity's sake. Mm. It's it's for somewhere down li- down the line in the future. So the it, and the the reason you're doing it on chain is because it, it's it's within the global state, right? So that that global state has to have some form of of universal adoption in order for it to matter that your registration is somewhere in there. So doing it on any other, and obviously there's only one chain that's gonna get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> so we already know that answer. So so I mean, there there's no point in doing it in all these weird fringe. Uh, um, yes, of course. Everybody collaboratively, collaboratively managed databases, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if it goes away, it's pretty meaningless, right? Like, um, correct. Yeah, if it goes away eventually, um, you can still have like a niche community. I think, especially with like culture, like you, you'll you probably get niche communities that just are on their own little chain, like vibing. Um, and maybe they have enough technical expertise to kind of keep it running. So it never ultimately goes away. Like, I think there's always this like long tail, you know, where. Okay. But like, the, the, if it like, doesn't have proof of work, so mm. if it doesn't have proof of work and the moment it dies, mm. then it, it immediately loses any sort of value in, in, in this or, or yeah, in, in this regard. Right. But yeah. I mean, there are huge problems with any kind of provenance on a, on a proof of stake chain and, and obviously it's kind of like a fragile security model. So I, I do think there's enormous issues there. So you could, you could argue it's like the moment it's still alive, then you might argue, um, about the, that there is some validity to the provenance there. Uh, but the moment it's, it's only dead for one second, then it's gone. Mm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of systems like, um, are designed such that. If their security functions, if their security assumptions fail, then they're just like hosed. Then it's like all all over. Yep. Whereas Bitcoin has this nice property that it can sort of like fail like partially. Like, okay, you can get some reorgs or okay, hash rate can kind of get dangerously low. And maybe you need to wait for more confirmations. But yeah, it 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 kind of just keeps going. And one property that people really don't seem to appreciate is that you can leave the chain, you can like turn off your Bitcoin node for a long time and then turn it back on and have a pretty good idea of what happened in your absence. Whereas this property is completely missing from non proof of work based, uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah. That's the point. So you, you have to be there in order to witness it as the, as it is going. Yeah. I, this is a point that I feel like is so it's, it's so weird that people miss it. Like I remember in the in like early proof of stake discussions, people were talking about how like quote unquote Bitcoin didn't have finality just based on some really pretty stupid like. Yeah, very but it pretty... doesn't. It doesn't have any finality. That's the point right. because there is no there is no such thing as finality in this type of information systems. It just doesn't. Uh... Well, there there is there is a there is actually a like a theoretical definition of finality that some protocols have, but it, they have other properties which are like not great. And if like after a certain number of hash, 
like work has varied a transaction and on Bitcoin, you have 99.99999% chance, like assurances that the transaction is not Correct. going away. Like arguing that it like is not final because you're missing that 0.00001% chance is like just missing the, missing the forest for the trees. And like or even, it is exactly, or it is exactly, or you're just missing the the exact point that it just there's no such thing as. Of course, you can set arbitrary arbitrary rules, and within those arbitrary rules of the game, as long as you're playing it, then stuff can be quote unquote final. But then we're still getting back to the problem. It's like the moment you leave the game and get back to the game, yeah, you you, yep. you you're no longer sure as to what actually happened in between. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's a great way of putting it. It's like like you're playing this like game where you know like a, in a computer science paper they talk about a, a, a game that players play where they sit on a network and they exchange messages and the rules and bounds of that game, right? But the moment you leave that game, you're not observing the messages. Uh, like you rejoin later, and yeah, things things you lose all these guarantees that you had when you were participating in the game. And I, I would argue that that's that's like the most fundamental point about about bitcoin and how it functions mm. um but it's so it's so insanely abstract right yeah to for sure. i I've, I've tried to so I've, I've been working on this for a very long time to get some sort of narrative down and my currently my narrative is around time mm. so because the question would be what do we all agree on right if, if we we're talking about this consensus network so what what are what do we actually all agree on and then you can have Time this long change. philosophical, yeah, yeah. You can have this long philosophical discussion of like, do humans actually agree on stuff globally? Does everybody agree? But in from a practical perspective, we have something we agree on, that, and that's time. At least to the point where it's day and night. And of course, I'm, somebody in Australia would say like, now it's it's day while it's night here. But he might also still agree on the fact that it's uh, that what the uh the time of day is on, on my position on this earth do right? you think we should get rid of time zones that's interesting because that's that's like the implementation detail of where we don't necessarily agree mm. <laughs> <laughs> on what time it is so it's like yeah so my example fails there is like okay then we have time zones that's an entire cluster we should do uh we should all be on swatch beats <laughs> Just like 1,000 beats a day. Like if you go to the Swatch website, they're still on that that beats shit. So, but that yeah, doesn't. I have a big so idea. Of that one it, it is it is somewhat reproducible, right? But from a um, so, but the point is with time, is uh, the following. So everybody kind of. So what's what is our time based on? That would be my first question to you guys. The vibration of cesium atoms. Some shit like that. <laughs> the wavelength of light at a certain frequency, I think. Yes, but then we still have to then we still have to relate it to 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 something else. But you're you're close because it, of of course it's it's frequencies. But I the mean, it's day day the, night and correct. And the year. Yeah. So the yeah. primary frequency is our our uh, the, the the Earth turning around its own axis, right? Mm. And then we have going around the sun, and that's a year. And then we have the moon doing stuff, and it used to be a month, and now in our current calendar it isn't, etc. So it's these astrological phenomena. Uh, uh, did it change? Uh, phenomena that um, that are going on that are observable for everybody. So it's very hard to lie about the fact that it's day or night because right. everybody can observe for themselves if it's either day or night. So no authority has any uh, reasonable position. Like the king cannot go on the mountain and declare 
that day and night has, has changed, right? It doesn't work because nobody will buy it. So access to the data on which we base it is uh, hard to censor. Um, and then the interpretation of that data is fairly easy because every retard can understand that if the sun is out, then it's day, right? You don't have to be a mastermind. You can be a mastermind and then study the whole thing. And then you can actually determine the exact date you are on, you're on based on the stars and stuff, right? So, but the interpretation of the data is generally accessible. And uh, so it's hard to censor. And the interpretation is very easy. And I'm, I had a third step, but it's uh, escaping me right now. But it's my... kind of like Bitcoin that also has these like recurring events, right? The lowest level of the most frequent event is the blocks. And then the less frequent event is difficulty adjustments. And then the less frequent event is the having. And then what, what there, is there any other? Uh, so I made Birth one and up, death. like after that, which is, uh, every forks, six, hard every forks. six havings, the, uh, difficulty adjustment and the having happen on the same block. And the first set of that block, we have a blockchain a, solstice. Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the blockchain solstice. We have a... Okay. So, but the, so the point here is, is that, um, time is also based on proof of work, right? There's, there are new to me, there, there are bodies, there are masses moving through space mm. that we're able to observe and we're all able to observe them. And that's where we're basing our time on. Mm. So it's, uh, and that allows for, um, it depoliticizes uh, the notion and that allows us to have consensus on it because as I said, it's very hard for a particular actor to, to, to fuck with it, right? For, for some political reason to declare time to be different. Yeah. And anywhere they can fuck with it, they do. Like for example, doing weird political things with time zones. Like yep. I think China has one time zone and it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's a massive country. But they're like, no, there's like one China. Daylight so savings. One time zone. Yeah. Daylight, Daylight savings, savings are the communism. worst crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. This thing is completely shit. Yeah, it's Jesus so stupid. Christ. I think as a programmer, you get really sensitive to these stupid things that you have to like deal with in your code, like like daylight savings time and leap seconds and like months with weird numbers of yeah, days. Yeah, leap You're seconds like, are it. a political thing, right? Nope. They're not. <laughs> they so are. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> so the leap leap seconds are just a dirty little secret of of okay, we have these neat we have this neat abstraction of our, our our calendar and our our seconds and minutes and hours and stuff, but it doesn't necessarily work out with how the actual uh, uh, bodies through space move. How, so we'll the, have to, how uh, does swatch swatch beats deal with leap seconds? I, I don't think they've gotten to that point yet. Obviously, when we're in a hyper swatch beats ified world, um, they'll have to come up with a leap beat standard. Uh, I'm thinking... But right now, it's just 1,000 beats per day until the heat death of the universe. I found a clock and I don't understand it. <laughs> Apparently, we are at 10. No. I have guess. you guys seen the, the Ordinal's clock? Nope. You should honestly check this out. It's at ordinals.com slash clock. It, I swear it has nothing to do with the JPEGs. Uh, it's a clock that's entirely based on the block height. And it has parts of it that like everything is based on these periodic events in Bitcoin. So 
there's an hour hand that sweeps from midnight to midnight when the entire supply is mined. And then there's a minute hand which sweeps from midnight to midnight uh, when there is a uh, halving. And then there's a second hand that sweeps from minute to minute uh, with the difficulty adjustment. And the pips, the marks on the outer edge of the clock, each represent a halving. So when the hour hand is pointing at one of those markers, it's a halving. And then there are these like thicker marks that uh, the hour hand points at when the halving and the difficulty adjustment fall on the same block. Uh, and it kind of like, it shows all of the periodic events and also gives an idea of the like scale, the time scale of Bitcoin. And each, each hour in the clock is clickable. It's a set. Yeah, that's right. Yep. How do you generate this? You generate it on uh, the server. Yeah, it's all SVG. You can look at the page source. It's just a simple SVG template that um, it, the server, every yeah. time you make a request, it fills in the rotation transform of the hands based oh, on I the see. current block height. Yeah. I see. I see you do a lot of generative art, stuff like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not, I, I mean, yeah, I like, um, I really like making programmer art. Um, and it's something I've kind of been drawn to ever since I started programming. And that's actually kind of the, uh, the reason I did the JPEG thing is because these kind of generative art NFTs got really popular on other chains. And I was like, oh shit, like I want to like sell my own generative art NFTs. And I started looking into the technical properties of those NFTs and those chains and those marketplaces. And I did not feel like I could in good conscience like encourage people to buy them because I so, thought that the so, so in good conscience, you decided to destroy Bitcoin. Exactly. It was the only way, right? Okay. Like, <laughs> listen, omelet, eggs. Okay, come on, guys. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, like I just wanted some way to make and sell my own generative content that would be secure and have consistent properties and be like user friendly, essentially. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I don't think it's the most important use of Bitcoin. I think that the like actual like sound money, um, decentralized money, uncensorable money is like way, way, way more important than uh, inscriptions. And if that's the case, I, I fully expect inscription transactions to get like absolutely priced out of the market, except for niche, niche possible use cases or very, very high value use cases. Uh, and that's totally fine. All right, I should, uh, I actually have got to run. Uh, it is gym time. I did not do nearly enough push-ups while we've been talking. I do have one, I do, I have one final question for yeah. you. Um, how, how do you reflect on the fact that this bull marked hype phenomena of NFTs mm. starts to flower and bloom during, uh, during the bull or during the bear within Bitcoin? I don't know, probably good. I, I, NFTs have real product market fit, like regardless of judging whether they're stupid or not. And so I think that probably it's good for Bitcoin that people can be like, you can do NFTs on Bitcoin just as like a marketing line. And also it happening during the bear market is probably good. Um, I always look at the Bitcoin dominance chart. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it could do a little bit of decoupling, but at the same time, like Bitcoin's market cap is so high that 
nothing really moves it. You know what I mean? Like little things don't move it. it it's going to take some real adoption from here. But yeah, probably good. And also like uh, gives people some fun stuff to play with. Like while the uh, while we're waiting for for the the price to moon. Yeah, I think that 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 I think that's it mostly. Yeah. Right. It also shows like how like like <laughs> if if you're getting really excited about JPEGs on Bitcoin, it's kind of a slow news day, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, good luck with your uh, push-ups. Is it leg day or? Uh... It's full body day, bro. Full body. It's full body day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good luck with the pull-ups. Awesome. Later, guys. Bye bye.